0: See, I remember I went to um, a kind of boob shop to get my boobs measured and the woman was putting me in all these huge bras, which number one were way too big and number two were really high. And I was like, this isn't really like the kind of lingerie that I like wearing. I mean, I don't think even my gran would wear the lingerie that they were trying to put me in. And I said, and also I wear quite I wear quite low tops. So my bra would show over the tops. And the woman said, well, you're about to be a mother. So maybe you need to invest in some different tops. Hi
1: and welcome to Feeling Yourself, the podcast that encourages you to shed your shame. I'm Natalie Lee and like most of us, shame has followed me around for most of my life. Now I'm on a journey to sexual freedom and I want you to join me. Each week I'll be speaking to you and some incredible guests about the themes in my book Feeling Myself. From masturbation to motherhood, from trauma to porn, I want us to dig deep and find our true voice in a world that shames us and that certainly doesn't make our pleasure a priority. Now let's release the shame and get you feeling yourself. good. It is the sixth episode of Feeling Yourself and we are ending with a huge bang. We have the wonderful Ashley James on the podcast today and she is, well, I'm going to read your Instagram bio, Alfie's mummy, presenter and DJ, dating and empowerment coach but I know you're a lot more than that. How would you like everyone to remember you or know you? What do you want people to know about you?
0: Um, Do you know what? It's such a hard one to answer. By the way, thank you for having me on. I'm really excited. Um, I think just for being authentic, hopefully authentic, that's what I try to be, especially in a world of social media, which can be, uh, you know, you see lots of um, different things projected, but in particular, around like motherment motherment (laughs) mothering and female empowerment I try to be the person that I wish I had around when I was 13.
1: Lovely I love that that's really quite special and so bloody needed I wish I had someone like you when I was younger even though I'm older than you but you know I know you do come in for quite a lot of shit sometimes because you do speak your mind but it's part of parcel of being a woman in this day and age i think
0: i have to say i wish um genuinely that there is someone talking about what you talk about because i suffered so much Slut shaming. I went to an all boys school, so I'm sure you can imagine um, what it was like. It was a school where you weren't even allowed six inches within a member of the opposite sex. To the fact, to the point that I once got detention for hugging my brother.
1: Oh my! And God. I remember it was the
0: year that Christina Aguilera's song. Um, came out you know, her, from her strict album, Can't Hold Us Down. And I remember clinging onto that song, thinking like one day it's going to be the same and girls will be treated the same as boys. And obviously we still aren't quite there yet, but the narrative that you open up, I just think is incredible.
1: Mm, thank you. Bloody hell. Anyway, I'm glad that you're allowed to hug your brother now if you wanted to, without risk of <laughs> having to stay <laughs> yeah. late. Now, Ashley, um, we ask all our guests to bring something that makes them feel themselves. Did you do that? Did you
0: see that? <laughs> I, I did see that and I thought about it really hard. I don't actually really like cling on to many Possessions. I wouldn't say I'm particularly sentimental about possessions, but I'm very sentimental about music and memories. Mm. So obviously I don't have like a physical record anymore because everything's on phones. But the thing that I would say out of everything that I could think of would be Mumford and Sons album, Sigh No More, just because it was quite a pivotal Ooh. time in my life in my early twenties. There's a song called Awake My Soul, which I still listen to. And it says um, in this book, Body, we will live in this body. We will die where you invest your love, you invest your life, Oof. and I love that because when you think of like the amount of times we've invested our love into like the wrong people, into fuckboys, even into the wrong friendships, and that was kind of like the beginning of my self-love journey, and um, because I really wasn't happy or confident, and yeah, that that album was quite an instrumental time in my life of like the journey that I then went on over the next decade.
1: Oh, well I'm definitely going to listen to that straight after this episode. So thank you so much for that recommendation. Now listen, this this chat is like an extension on the conversation I started in my book feeling myself and we're going to be talking about specifically about sex and motherhood in this episode. So I know that you're a fairly new mum and I wanted to read a little bit of my motherhood chapter from my book to you and then kind of just get your thoughts on, on what motherhood and sex has and how it's been for you. So let me start. It's unsurprising really. Our society has created an idea that mothers are angelic, perfect beings, generously martyring themselves for the good of their children and families. I mean, up until the last century, childbearing was considered a woman's only purpose in life. Sex for women existed purely for creating lovely little humans. Throughout history, women have been expected to raise their sons to be strong, upstanding men and raise their daughters to be just like them quiet, timid, obedient. And in the midst of this all, mothers are completely stripped of their identities as people. Sure, motherhood isn't the only expectation placed on women these days, but I think this idea does live on. Suddenly, women aren't free-thinking and independent anymore. They exist in service to their offspring. Their attractiveness and sexuality apparently disappears as soon as they've popped a baby out of their vagina. Poof, gone. If being sexual is not something good girls should do, it's it's certainly not something good mothers should do. Pleasure for pleasure's sake and giving yourself wholly and completely to your child seems incompatible. So... Ashley, what are your thoughts on that? And did any of that resonate with you personally?
0: Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? The double standard, because you're right, sex is this kind of like taboo, shameful thing. And especially once you become a mother, there's this sort of, um, oh, well, she's a mother now. We always see it, you know, whether it's Kim Kardashian or whoever it might be. It's like, she shouldn't dress like that or behave like that or do that because she's a mother. And there is an irony that you become a mother through sex, but it's this sort of Madonna whore complex that people kind of hold women to. But on the other side, if you don't have sex and your husband leaves you, I know this is a very like boiled down. I know that that's you know men aren't quite as red blooded as that, but if um if for what for whatever reason you break up quite soon into the motherhood experience there's this sort of judgment of like, oh well, he obviously wasn't getting it at home, you know he ob- she obviously wasn't putting out, and there's this sort of unspoken pressure that you should service your husband i don't have a husband, but do you know what I mean. And it's interesting because in my own journey of motherhood and pregnancy, I... Um, so, for example, because I was like slut shamed so much when I was younger, I had I was I had thirty double G boobs from the age of thirteen. I was basically taught from a very young age that my body was something to be ashamed of, and that if I dressed a certain way, people wouldn't take me seriously. And if I wanted to be serious, I had to cover up, cover up. That was always the message: cover up, cover up. So I spent a lot of my twenties really wearing clothes that my mum said she wouldn't have even have worn. You know, I felt like I had to be quite prudish to be taken seriously because i wanted to be taken taken seriously and I, it made me a bit of a misogynist myself and i remember judging people and especially mothers of the same sort of narrative saying oh how you know that how disgusting that she wears that or oh, she goes out clubbing when she's a mom like as if mum should be just locked away and it does embarrass me but by the time i got to my 30s i'd kind of you know, I I, I got I very much got to the attitude of, like, I deserve to feel sexy. I'm not doing anything wrong. My body's not shameful. And I discovered all this amazing lingerie, and I started to feel really good. And I became really afraid in my pregnancy. I remember I went to um, a kind of big boob shop to get my boobs measured, and the woman was putting me in all these huge bras, which, number one, were way too big, and number two were really high. And I was like, oh, I... I'd, this isn't really like the kind of lingerie that I like wearing. I mean, I don't think even my gran would wear the lingerie that they were trying to put me in. And I said, and also I wear quite I wear quite low tops so my bra would show over the tops and the woman said well, you're about to be a mother, so maybe you need to invest in some different tops.
1: No And I got way. so upset. There's
0: a highlight on my Instagram called boobs, and I was like crying on the street outside. And then I kind of did go down, I lost myself in motherhood because I did start wearing like, you know, the nursing bras, and a lot of it was the sleep deprivation and the tiredness. But I just, and the leaky boobs and all of the things that you go through, I just felt so far away from that sort of like sexy, empowered person that I was just a few months ago. Um, And even little things, I got really bad pelvic girdle pain in my pregnancy. So I couldn't wear heels anymore. And I had to wear like proper trainers, you know, not just like fashion trainers, like trainers that really supported you because I could barely walk. And I think, you know, I felt like I lost a lot of that sort of, sexiness of swag or confidence that I felt I had and then um the sex thing the sex thing was really hard because I felt like number one that I would be back to normal whatever that meant after six weeks and number two that back to normal as in physically emotionally mentally (laughs) like that I'd be healed be able to have sex be able to do everything again you know back in my sexy lingerie back in my clothes back in everything because that's really what we're always told six weeks six weeks and I see on Instagram now mum's pregnant people being like oh yeah you know in six weeks time when I'm back in the gym and when I'm doing this and it's really such a dangerous narrative because a lot of people actually aren't healed and I wasn't and then I remember saying to Tommy Oh like I'm really sorry but I don't I just don't think I'm ready as if like he was going to be like really disappointed like beating his caveman stick like man nude sex and he was like do you think I'm ready he was like I saw what has happened to your body like I literally watched I watched them stitch you back up like do you not think I'm scared of hurting you and I'd never really considered it from like the human male side either because mm-hmm. Because of this narrative of like, it's the woman's job to service the man. And if you don't make an effort when you're, when you become a mom, like he'll leave you for someone younger and prettier and, you know, all of those things. And he was like, no, like I'm terrified too. So yeah, it is, it was like a big realization for me that like, oh it's not just sex. Like there is a lot more to a relationship and to parenthood than just kind of getting back in it and on it.
2: There really is. There really is. Now, you've kind of hinted that your body was injured during the birth process. Now, I'm very aware that people might be pregnant or they haven't had children, and I don't want to traumatize them. But equally, I think it's really important to be honest about how having a baby can affect you and your sex life and the realities of that and can you just tell me because I know that there has been some sort of injury could you just uh, go into a bit more detail about that
0: yeah so um basically I Alf was 9.5 pounds and it was it was a pretty like horrific birth but also they they stitched me up wrong without going into graphic detail they essentially just stitched my vagina but my entire like I don't even know what the word would be but essentially the whole of the back area had um, ripped as well and they didn't spot that or see that so that was kind of left open so what it meant was that essentially my sphincter had a big hole in it from where it had torn and it wasn't stitched back up so therefore I ended up suffering with faecal incontinence and at the beginning I was like oh I presume it's just normal like after you've had a baby you like shit yourself but then as it carried on into the months I was like this can't be right and so number one there's like the element of not feeling very sexy when you know you're scared to leave the house in case you might shit yourself in the park and there were occasions where I'd be like Tommy you need to come and get me and he'd have to like walk behind me and get me home and it was like pretty awful Tommy's mum's a nurse so he's very like he's been used to growing up talking around like you know blood and poo and all this stuff so it doesn't really bother him um but it was just it it, like it takes a lot from your confidence but also I was just left with like huge pain like any form of like I mean whatever it might have been a tampon I haven't used tampons now since birth because of that and actually I'm pleased for it but it was like it just felt so sore, and so when it got a eight, about eighteen months down the line, because bear in mind, I was also kind of lost in postnatal depression and sleep deprivation. Alf didn't sleep for more than an hour at a time, and you know I felt like I was in this like I, that I was going mad. So it kind of wasn't really a priority when I was in that survival mode. and um, But when Alf was about eighteen months or so just a couple of months ago, I decided, okay, like I really need to get this sorted because I deserve we deserve as a couple but also I deserve to like enjoy sex enjoy intimacy and and also not be afraid of it because every time I'd try it would kind of bring back this trauma of the birth and I'd end up crying and obviously that there's nothing that can possibly be a bigger turn off than your partner crying <laughs> when you're trying to like have sex so we just felt like we missed the sort of intimacy that we really enjoyed beforehand and I felt like I'd just kind of been left broken. Um, I'm yeah. so
2: sorry you had that. That sounds so, so traumatic. I don't think, I don't know if you've actually processed that properly yet, but it that's huge what you went through. And it's not, Common, so you know, I don't want people to think that that's an everyday thing. And you know, that I used to be a midwife, so just to kind of give a little bit of context to it, um, there's different degrees to tearing, and so what it sounds like is that they thought you had maybe a second degree tear where you had a third or a fourth degree tear yeah. that actually reaches the anal passage, yeah, and they didn't spot that, so they only like stitched up the vagina area and then you were left with this hole and like you know shitting yourself is fucking horrific like let's just put it out there and did you get repaired did you have to go back in how was that and you know was there any debrief did you have anyone that you could speak to and and sort of talk you through the trauma because that must have also impacted on postnatal depression and how you bonded with your baby. And, you know, you talk about the intimacy issues as well. And just in everyday life, your whole identity and confidence must have been eroded by this.
0: Yeah, it's um, definitely like the psychological impact i feel like you can't even quite imagine like when your body feels broken or when you don't know if leaving the house you might shit yourself (laughs) probably like similar with um any form of incontinence um but obviously like faecal incontinence is pretty gross but um I did do a birth debrief again quite recently because I'm just sort of like processing it all now. But I had to push for that and I haven't had any follow up since. And I basically I got my birth notes because um, there was a lot in quite a traumatic birth. Then um, one of which I was denied pain relief, obviously the second of which I was um, stitched up incorrectly. And um, I yeah, basically I'm in the process of following up that complaint um but I said that the midwife team could contact me but they never have um and the thing is that you know I understand that the NHS is under a lot of pressure and I understand all of that but yeah it was quite a lot to get my head around and um I basically ended up going to see a private pelvic health physio um and I mean she's amazing I feel really lucky I mean none of us should have to feel lucky to get pelvic health physio like in some countries it's a standard especially for six weeks after the birth you know France a lot of European countries the maternal and postnatal care here is absolutely abysmal but anyway Marta diagnosed me with something called the vaginismus sorry vaginismus it's basically women hold trauma in their pelvic area and so it it's basically the body's automatic reaction to the fear of some or all types of vaginal penetration so the reason I was getting a lot of pain was basically because I went through this really traumatic experience of like you know the birth and being stitched up incorrectly essentially my body's Vaginal muscles went into spasm. And this can happen if you've been like a victim of sexual assault or lots of different things. So your muscles go into spasm and basically just tighten up. So obviously, if you're then trying to have any form of penetration, be it a penis, a tampon, a finger, a vibrator, whatever it is, you're going to get pain. And she said it's actually quite common for women to have for various reasons, but it goes undiagnosed. And interestingly, before I saw her, I went to go see a gynecologist. Because I was like, well, it must be my stitches. There must be something wrong. And he kind of made out like it was all sort of in my head, you know, like, oh, you know, you really need to relax or listen to music and kind of made out like it is like, you know, a women issue in your head. And she was like, no, it is it is a physical thing. It's literally that like your body. So she did these sort of like, Essentially, it's like a massage, which you would would get if you had a bad back and your muscles were were all tightened up, someone would massage you. So that's basically what she did to my vagina. And um, I mean, my in-laws are literally next door, but I'm sure they don't mind hearing this. Alf is now 20 months old and this weekend we had sex the first time, that wasn't painful. I know that intimacy isn't just about um, sex, but when you have a fear of your own vagina, it is very hard to feel sexy and attractive.
2: Thank Um, you for being so open and honest about this, because, you know, even if you haven't had a baby, as you said, vaginismus is actually really quite common. And I know that I get a lot of DMs about this and people who are scared to have sex and find it painful. It's a very, very real issue. And like you said, it might be psychological, but it actually manifests in a very physical way. And it's very, very real and very painful and something we shouldn't just sort of sweep under the carpet and be like, that's a you problem. You just need to breathe through it. No, you actually need to get proper support. and. Yeah, I just wanna say thank you for opening up that discussion really, because I know that a lot of people are gonna resonate with it and feel sort of really reassured by somebody like you in the public realm being honest about it.
0: Yeah, and I do you know what I think a lot of it comes down to like number one, I I feel really awkward talking about sex, as I'm sure most people in our generation do, because it was something that we were like told just to like be quiet about. But I know how common it is, and especially for a lot of like mothers. But as you said, it's not just people that have had babies. I think it's so important to open these dialogues and also take away the taboo. Because going back to you know what you said originally in your book around sex and motherhood, it's like we're almost expected to keep having sex and to go back to having sex, to keep a happy relationship, but not talk about it. But then you're scared of your body. Or you've got pain or whatever it might be, but you kind of have to suck it up. And Marta said um, to me, what what I found really interesting is she said um, that the average time it takes for couples to have sex after having a baby is 18 months. And I think that was really interesting and reassuring because... You know, I did feel like, oh, my God, I bet everyone else is at it. And especially when you find out people are getting pregnant. I was like, how are they getting pregnant when I can't even, like, have a tampon in there? Like, what's wrong with me? And there obviously wasn't anything wrong with me. But also, this was really treatable. She literally did massage me for about two, three minutes. And that's all I needed. So all of this time that I've been suffering, I just needed, like, this massage to, like, loosen the muscles. Sounds like a
2: bit like the yoni massage I had. Um uh, I talk about that at the start of my book, actually. And that really helped me in terms of just, you know, allowing somebody else to place their fingers inside me and, and for me to be relaxed. Because as soon as anything, well, used to go near my vaginal passage, I just used to tense up and it just, you know, spoils everything, really. It it, it doesn't allow you to be present and in your body and, and receive pleasure. So. <laughs> That's good. So the incontinence, has that, that stopped now? Is that also or yeah. is that a work
0: in progress? Yeah, pretty much. So basically, I they didn't repair the stitches because it was too late. It was like basically it healed by the time that I went to the doctor. But the good thing is that I have the scan that shows... I was stitched up incorrectly so obviously if I do pursue it with the hospital and a lot of my reasons for wanting to pursue things by the way is that other women don't have to go through this it's so important that if you've had any form of traumatic experience that you come forward because that's the only way that we can make change so yeah I, I definitely will pursue I will pursue the stitching but now it's basically kind of healed with scar tissue so it's kind of Doing. I mean, it, it's not like it was. And the issue is, if I have another child, they said there's a risk that if I were to do a vaginal birth, that it could create more damage. I'm thrilled
1: to announce that the most comfortable knickers in the world, Stripe and Stare, are supporting Feeling Yourself. When I want to be comfortable in my own skin, and empowered. It always starts with good underwear. We all know the feeling of wearing uncomfortable knickers, pulling them out of your bum every two minutes, not being able to concentrate because of scratchy fabric cutting in. Well, not for bums in stripe and stare. And I have an exclusive discount for you if you keep listening. Did you know only 3% of the underwear market is sustainably sourced? which is not a great start for something we wear all the time. Stripe and stair knickers are not only described by over 90% of their customers as the most comfortable knickers in the world, they are also great for the planet too, as they are sourced from beechwood trees, are softer than cotton, and also use 95% less water in their production. You will also be glad to know Stripe and Stare make essential sleep. You will also be glad to know Stripe and Stare make essential wear and sleepwear too. All from the same soft as a cloud sustainable fabrics which I'm adding to my basket next. I have my eye on this lovely tie-dye number. Banish that knicker guilt and shed your underwear shame with Stripe and Stare. And you can get off your next purchase with the code FEELINGYOURSELF. And one last big thank you to the comfiest knickers in the world, Stripe and Stare, for giving me the most comfortable bum and always helping me feel myself.
2: Did you think motherhood was what you expected it to be?
0: So I should caveat this and say that I never wanted children. I, it, I actively didn't want children. So um, when I got pregnant, we, I obviously made a decision. We made a decision to have the baby. And when I found it really tough, um, particularly from like 6 to 12 months of Alf's life, Yes, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be, which was shit, which was why I didn't want children. So I was like, this is why nothing can prepare you for like the permanence of of it. And now I'm in the much more joyful stages of it where you know I get so much out of him and I'm really happy. It's definitely changed my perspective. But I think what makes me sad is the lack of understanding and empathy that new mums um are faced with by society and even a lot of like my own inner misogyny I had and felt towards mothers so that then when I was one I was like oh my god even though I've done all this work and I feel like a feminist and you know I still had all these sort of weird like I don't know I just felt like oh I'm not like you know it's like I'm not like other mums but we are like other mums we are mums but why are mums seen as negative in society Um, and I also remember there was a time where I literally didn't have anything else in my life like he was breastfeeding on demand he didn't take a bottle I couldn't leave him and then when people would be like how's the baby and I'd start to talk about it and I'd see their eyes glaze over and I was like oh that was a polite question not like a I actually care question And and then they'd be like so what else is new and I remember being sat there thinking like think of something else think of something else think of something else and I was like I've got nothing I've got nothing and I was like uh, and I could see them just like kind of getting bored of my company and knowing that they were going to go away and being like, eh, if she's a new mum and all she talks about is it, her baby. But I was like, I have nothing else. Like, please give me something else to talk about. I don't want this either. Like you, you're going to go away and slug me off. But like, think how much I hate myself right now. And it
2: is all consuming, isn't it? Like literally your brain goes to mush, first of all. And there is isn't. A- Anything, any time for anything else, often. Now, how about your kind of work life balance? How has that been since having a baby, getting um, back into work? Because I, I know you're a busy woman.
0: Yeah, so I never really had maternity leave, obviously being self employed, but I, it was kind of in lockdown. So there were no DJ gigs at the beginning. Um, life was a lot slower. But I'd say since I've turned 12 months, I kind of got back into work. Full time and I know lots of mums feel kind of guilty about the juggle or the different work life balance, and I think it's like really personal and different for everyone like I've got friends who didn't go back to work or reduce their work because they wanted to hang out with their kids, whereas like for me, what makes me feel happy and empowered, and therefore what makes me the best mom is is working and being busy and then you know when I have those two hours in the morning and two hours in the evening with Alf I'm totally present and I feel fulfilled and I feel happy um so I don't feel guilt about that and also he learns so much he's got a child minder and he she's just amazing and I feel like every person every constant person in his life whether it's me or Tommy or his child mind or his nano and papa, like everybody has different strengths. So he will learn so much more because there's lots of things that I can't give him. for example, messy play, I'm just, that's just not my thing. And I'd love it to be, I'd love to be one of those mums that was like, we're going to do this and this, this." My brain doesn't really work that way. And I get, end up getting bored. Whereas like knowing that he's got an adult that he goes to where he gets to do all those really cool, fun things that I don't do with him. Like it's so enriching for him. So I don't feel guilt around work because it it empowers me and also nobody says it about the dads do they they never say to the like oh I think I would love parenthood so much more if I was a dad like just getting praised for doing the absolute bare minimum <laughs> oh it's so nice that like, you change a nappy so nice <laughs> it's so um annoying
2: isn't it it's just like you know people will judge you on going back to work and they will Um, i think i saw one of your posts where people have been like oh like this is your second weekend away where's the baby and it's like fuck off like how many people are gonna say that to the dad like it's just ridiculous and as you say i love that You're really honest about owning that this just isn't my strength. I don't like getting down on the floor and playing with my kid. I don't either. You know, it's a bit like, to me, that's a bit like small talk. Fucking hate it. That's okay. We don't have to do it all and, you know, be perfect.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting because Tommy went away for work to LA for a whole week. And when he got back, I was like, did anyone ask you who was looking after the baby? And no, he was like, no. And I was like, isn't it funny that I go away for one night or a weekend to go DJ and everyone will ask me or judge me. But what I will also say is my friends who are stay-at-home mums also get judgment for giving up their careers. So it's almost like we can't win. It's almost like we can't win. Now, you touched a little
2: bit on postnatal depression. Do you feel like you did have postnatal depression?
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I was having like suicidal thoughts. I, I, I didn't recognise myself. I, do you know what my timeline was? I really loved my pregnancy. I had a really traumatic birth. It took me a while to process it. I was so in love with Alf for the first. Well, I mean, I've always been in love with Alf, but the first four or five months, it was like I was on a cloud. Everything was amazing. I felt so connected to him. Then we came out of lockdown. And I think that's when it hit me how much life had changed because everyone else's life went back to a semi-normal. Before lockdown, I was like traveling around the world, DJing, having dinner parties with friends. I mean, I was basically single as I went into lockdown. So Everyone else, I kind of watched everyone else's life go back to normal, and I felt like the combination of motherhood with lockdown, especially as a DJ, because obviously all DJ work stopped. And then I feel like I came out of lockdown and I'd almost been written off because I was a mum, and it just really hit me. And I, I moved house as well; we moved to Essex, um, which is great, but I was away from all my friends. I just felt very like, oh my god, what has happened for the last couple of years yeah I, I really struck I really struggled I think because I was um I wasn't sleeping more than an hour at a time so I mean sleep deprivation is a form of torture isn't it and I I think nothing could quite prepare me for sleep deprivation because I was like oh I'll be fine with little sleep you know I DJ I'm, I, I spent my 20s in clubs I, I don't need a lot of sleep but when you do that in your 20s or when you go out and DJ normally you have the weekend to chill and you don't have that with a baby and also there's no period of time when you know you're going to catch up on the sleep and i remember thinking like how long is this going to go on for and then we got covid and we were really both really ill and then neurovirus. and i was like who's going to look after the baby what we still have what i needed someone to be like it's okay like you will get bits of your life back and i love it now like i genuinely really love I love like the work-life balance. I love hanging out with Alf. I love like, you know, getting to witness him learn things for the for the first time. And I'm also excited for him to get to the stages where we can do stuff together. And um, I just wish someone had told me that rather than just like, all the negative Nancys coming out with the Just You Weights because that kind of like sent my mind spiraling. I hear you.
2: I want to give you a really big hug now because (laughs) I think I felt exactly the same. But you touched on where you are now and I just want to kind of expand on that a little bit. Tell us about how you feel now and what are you loving about motherhood?
0: Well, I'm loving firstly that my body doesn't feel broken anymore and I can't tell you like the physical changes and the recovery and the lack of help and support around that what impact that has on someone psychologically and mentally even from like an intimacy perspective with your partner especially when Tommy's love language is physical touch and you know yes you can hold hands and stuff but when you're touched out with a baby the last thing you want to do is then like put the baby down and then hold someone's hand and give them cuddles and I, I was just totally touched out so I feel really good like we are in a really good place I really enjoy motherhood like I said like witnessing a toddler experience things for the first time and learn and their hunger and the way like the way they see the world it's such a beautiful thing and you know they're totally sheltered from all the evil and it does kind of remind you to be like sometimes it's okay to turn off the news and just see what they see like a sunny day, green leaves, orange leaves snow, even like the sound of rain like you know especially because I do a lot of um, like political and social commentating on TV. It, sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in like, oh, the God, the world is going to shit. But Alfie's world isn't going to shit. Alfie's world is like getting better and better. And yes, we worry about his future. Of course we do. That's our role as parents. So like, of course, we're going to worry about the lack of funding and education or all of those things. But in his little world, if we can just live in it and get lost in it for like moments in the day, that's really nice. And I, I didn't have that, sort of like perspective before becoming his mom and I feel like I have a better balance because I have more of myself back and that's a big part of motherhood motherhood is just not about sacrifice and service and I feel like that's what we're kind of expected to be like and at the beginning when I said I never wanted children everybody always kind of insinuated that it's because I was selfish but now when I go away for a weekend or whatever it is, there's an insinuation that I'm selfish. And I was like, but why do we expect? Number one, if if you knew I was a selfish person when I said I didn't want kids, why didn't you just accept that? <laughs> why did you tell me that I should have kids? But yeah, I think we expect mums more so than dads to kind of sacrifice everything, their sexiness, their confidence, their independence, their time with friends. And it's like, you know, you even get judged for sending your children to childcare, but we are the childcare if the dad works or, you know, the other partner works. So I feel like I'm in a good place and that I've found like the old Ashley, but obviously a new version of that. And it's a very like improved version of the person that I was.
2: Are you worried about the kind of misogynistic values that society is going to Teach him, and how are you going to combat that and bring up a feminist boy?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think it is a really good question, and it's something that not only do I think of a lot, but I see a lot already. And like Alf is, I just want Alfie to be happy, and he's such a kind and sweet, nurturing little boy and it doesn't mean anything if he wants pink doll and then she was like and actually even if it does mean something that doesn't matter either you know and I, I see it in clothes shops like it's always met like boys clothes are always predators and women's clothes are always prey and also that the eyes on women's clothes are always, like, shut. So it's, like, submissiveness. And it's all these, like, subliminal messaging. Like, boys have, like, leader, boss, and, you know, action heroes, and girls are just these, mm-hmm. like, meek. So I'm really cautious in that. I don't um, necessarily buy him. You know, if there's a day where he's like, "Mummy, I love dinosaurs, then, of course, I'll buy him dinosaurs. But until then, I'm, I'm very open to let him, if he wants dolls, if he wants... Tractors, you know, I'm not kind of like trying to enforce a gender on him. And then um, I've read two really good books. One's called um, Raising Boys and one's called um, Boys Don't Cry, um, written by a male teacher about how the um, British education system is like letting boys down and how that leads to toxic masculinity, which, of course, in turn Will affect women. But I think it's just knowing to be really open and to question things. So, um, one example I was given when I, I spoke to somebody about this was it, let's take Greece quite a classic film lots of people love the film and um, there's a scene where john travolta i think he's called danny goes to kiss sandy and she doesn't want to kiss him but he like pursues it anyway so a good example but in that situation would be pause it and be like what do you think about that that do you think it's not, it's right that danny and so you just open the dialogue and have the conversation and he might say yeah because girls play hard to get when they're, if they're not interested, it's because they like you or something like that. And you'd be like, no, actually, if somebody says no, whether it's a boy or a girl, like you have to really respect that. And we say, you know, he says no more. If I say, can, can I have a kiss? Can mummy have a kiss? And he says no more. I say, okay, no more kisses. And I respect that. But I think it's just having like open conversations. They get older, like age-appropriate conversation around what they see.
2: What advice would you give to somebody who wanted to, to embark on motherhood or was just about to have a baby what do you think would be the best advice and something you wish you had have got before having Alfie?
0: Yeah I think if you were already about to have a baby or you're a new mum I think it's just like be careful whose advice you take because everybody wants to give you advice and I, I know in an ideal world I wish we were taught more about this not just when you're pregnant or a new mum but like in general in society that motherhood wasn't like painted in such a sort of hollywood way um and also that you know at school we were taught about pelvic floor and all of the things that might we might come up against um but i don't think we need to tell pregnant people, all the bad shit, um, or like new mums, all the bad shit, like let people figure it out for themselves and don't be afraid to like put boundaries up. Like so whether it's your mom or your mother-in-law or f- your friend, like, cause sometimes, usually I'd say nine times out of 10 or seven times out of 10 advice is well-intentioned. Um, but it doesn't mean it's well-received and you don't have to put up with advice if it's making you anxious. And if, I always say to like new mums or pregnant people, like, I'm here if you need anything, just so you know. like if No matter what it is, I'm here, but I'm not going to give you advice because we need to like be self-aware enough to know that everyone's experiences is different. So, for example, I could tell the entire world, I could line up every pregnant person and tell them about my birth. It's not going to empower them because their experience might be different and also it would only put the fear of God in people and like, why would you want to do that? Because probably 99% of those people won't have to go through what I went through I guess just remember like time moves quickly so when you feel trapped and when you feel like you've got nothing else to talk about or you feel like a dairy farm then just know like it goes so quickly like a year is like a a drop in the ocean in the grand scheme of your life so just hold on to the fact that it will pass
2: this too shall pass yeah um so who is one of your celebrity
0: crushes I might say Florence Pugh. Who's that? She's the co-star of Harry Styles in that new film Don't Worry Darling. She's like she wore a sheer dress to some red carpet event and then um you know came out about the misogyny and like you know god forbid she show her nipples does that mean she deserves slut shaming. She's just like a very interesting, strong-willed, but very like beautiful, young woman that I think is a good role model for younger people as well embarrassing ex story I'll I'll tell you one embarrassing story when I was about 23 I decided against my better judgment that I would go around to my ex who cheated on me um, and told me that the reason he cheated on me was because I just didn't stimulate him enough intellectually maybe a 32 year old shouldn't be dating a 23 year old if he wanted intellectual stimulation but there we go um so anyway he decided he wanted me back so I decided to go around to his house and I was going to look amazing and be really beautiful. And obviously he would realize how much he wanted me. And um, we ate loads of pasta and then he was showing me pictures of himself probably because he was a total narcissist. And I realized that I had a really bad tummy, but I was like, oh, we'll just like, I'll just let out a sly fart. And I sat on his sofa so <laughs> the lasting memory I have of him, I obviously ran to the loo as soon as I realised what happened. And my lasting memory of him is him with marigolds just scrubbing his sofa. And, um, yeah, I remember thinking, like, I shot on your sofa, but you shot on my heart. But anyway, so I, ne- I didn't get back with him. <laughs> That's
2: great. <laughs> um, give me one of your turn-offs
1: and one turn-on.
0: A huge turn off is when you're um, getting to know someone like you're you're dating someone is when they are overly sexual before they've taken the time to like build emotional trust. That would always just give me the ick, you know, and like you first meet someone and they're like just trying to get in your pants, basically. And I was like, it's just very, very off putting. And then turn on. What is my big turn-ons? I think just like kindness and say like Tommy X like Tommy just like thinking of me and my needs and like romance I like romance as well and um, but mainly it's it turns me on if he cooks or puts after bed or you know just so I can I can give myself a little bit of time where I can actually get into the headspace where I might be turned on <laughs> yeah really boring but
2: Well, Ashley, it
0: has been so
2: wonderful to speak to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day.
1: Thank you so much for listening to Feeling Yourself. I really hope that by sharing my story and those of my guests, we can further the conversation around shedding shame and start to prioritise our pleasure collectively. I have loved hearing everyone's responses to my book. Oh my God, it was so difficult to write, but ultimately, very, very healing. And hearing all of your amazing feedback has just made it even more worthwhile. And Stripe and Stare have also kindly offered to give away a box of four of the most incredible knickers to one of our listeners each week all you need to do is tag me on Instagram at star Sunday with your copy of my book. And I'll pick one of you at random each week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a great review. It really helps others to find us and could help someone else on their journey to shed their shame too. I'll see you next time. Until then, I hope you all enjoy feeling yourself.